0: We're continuing in our series, God of the New, that we started uh, to kick off our new year and to remember that God is the God of the new every single day, every single moment. And uh, as we talk today, we're going to be looking at another aspect of the new that God gives us, and that's specifically new courage. He gives us new courage every single day, and that's what we need every day. A long time ago... There were three ships in the area around a sinking ship that sent out a distress signal. The first one was called the Samson, and it was about seven miles away, not too far from this sinking ship. They could actually see the sinking ship. They could see it sinking uh, as it was happening, but they turned their backs. They turned away. And you have to think, what could possibly have justified such a decision when there's a perfectly good ship seven miles away from a sinking ship saying, help us, help us? I mean, what in the world could have motivated them to turn their backs on that ship full of people in need? Well, it's because the crew aboard the ship had been involved in illegal hunting. They were hunting seals. It was illegal, and they turned their backs to that shipwreck because they didn't want to get caught. There was another ship about 14 miles away from the sinking one, and it was called the Californian. They saw the distress signal, but they were surrounded by ice. It was nighttime, and it wasn't at all comfortable, wasn't at all easy for them to move from where they were, so they decided, we'll just wait till morning for conditions to improve, then we'll go and try to help the ship. And the thing that they didn't realize that they either forgot or didn't know at all, uh, they were so focused on their own well-being, is that being courageous isn't about having such incredible bravery that people write books or make movies about you. No, being courageous, being courageous is choosing to do what's right and needed over what's easy and comfortable. That's, That's really what having courage is all about and being courageous. It's choosing, intentionally choosing to do what's right and needed over or instead of what's easy and comfortable. They didn't, they didn't buy into that, obviously. Well, there was a third ship, as I said, and that ship was approximately 58 miles away and moving rapidly in the other direction from where this ship was sinking from the shipwreck but when they heard the cries for help over the radio, they heard that distress call. They decided to be the lifeboat that the sinking ship needed. And the captain of this ship prayed to God for direction and wisdom and then acted. He turned the boat around going toward the shipwreck. He and his crew waded the dangerous ice fields in the dark that the other ship said, no, it's, it's just too dangerous for us to move in. They waded through that It could have easily sunk them, but they kept going to help the ship that was in need. This ship was called the Carpathia, and the shipwreck that it sailed to was none other than the Titanic. They saved 705 lives that night, all because one man, Captain Arthur Rostron, chose to do what was right and needed over what was easy and comfortable. See, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's refusing to be ruled by it. You, you're not going to necessarily just have this magical thing happen where all your fear leaves in the midst of a really difficult or challenging or scary situation. Fear likely will remain. Having courage is to say, I'm going to push through the fear, and I'm going to refuse to be dominated and ruled by it whatever situation you're going through, whatever is looming over you. And and when that fear swells up, it's saying, yep, I'm going to acknowledge that I am fearful. I'm going to admit it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not. But I am going to refuse to let it have its way with me. I'm going to persevere through it. Courage is letting God rule your heart instead of fear. And it's allowing Him to give you the new courage that you need continually. That's the great thing about God, among many other great things, is that part of Him being the God of the new is that He gives you new courage, moment by moment, situation after situation. And if we will refuse to be ruled by fear and choose instead to allow Him to rule us, then we will experience the courage that He alone gives, that He alone provides. There's a great example of this in the person of Joshua. Joshua is such an incredible example in the Old Testament. He's one of my favorite examples in all of Scripture. And rather than zeroing in on a really specific example of him exercising courage, what I want to do is just start off with what was certainly a very, very daunting, challenging Task that lay ahead of Joshua, certainly overwhelming for him, and something that I I absolutely believe would have caused so much fear in his heart and his mind, as he was given the task to now lead the people of Israel instead of Moses. So rather than looking at one particular um, example or, or incident or situation where Joshua exercised courage, I want us to focus in on what he was told what God told him directly, which was a repeat of what Moses told him before he died, to see where Joshua's source of courage that he did exercise all through his life, all through his leadership of Israel, where it came from. That's what I want us to focus on today. The source of Joshua's amazing courage as he started off in this incredible task of leading the people of Israel. So a little bit of context before we jump into Joshua 1, 6 through 9, where we're going to start off. Joshua 1, 6 through 9, a little bit of backstory. Uh, Moses had faithfully led the people of Israel, starting with the exodus of Egypt, all the way through bringing them to the very edge of the promised land where God told him he wasn't allowed to enter. He wouldn't actually go in and lead the people there. He could see it from afar, but he would be gathered to his people. He would die and the task of leading the people to the promised land, and through all the conquest of that land, that would fall to his assistant, Joshua. And Moses gave him instructions. He said, okay, it's going to pass to you. My mantle of leadership is passing to you here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on God's word. I want you to know it. I want you to live it. I want you to be courageous and know that God will be with you. God will go before you. God will never leave you. And he said this in front of all of the people of Israel so they could hear the same challenge. And he said, uh, Joshua, don't be afraid. The God who has been with me, he will be with you. He will be with these people. You will lead these people on. You've got this. And then in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6, Moses has died at this point, And God now personally comes to Joshua and personally encourages him and says much of what Moses encouraged him with as well. So picking up at verse 6, Joshua 1 verse 6, God himself speaking to Joshua says this, Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. I'm a promise-keeping God, God is saying, and I'm going to keep this promise, and I'm using you to bring them in to that promise that I've given. The promised land that I swore promised all the way back to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to give the people of Israel. Verse 7, above all, in other words, the most important thing, Joshua, the most important thing thing that I could say to you and the most important thing that you can do is this. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. So there's a specific focus for Joshua's courage. Something very specific God wanted Joshua to be courageous in. I hope you saw that. Right there in verse 7. Above all, be strong and very courageous to, to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. So what God wanted Joshua to hear and to be determined to be very specifically courageous in was the careful, intentional focus on and living out of His Word. That's what Joshua needed to be courageous about. Notice he didn't say, as you fight all the enemies that you're going to fight, as you go into battle, as you overcome all these odds that are stacked against you, as you take all these cities, be really courageous in that. Now, certainly he needed to be, you know, As the battle of Jericho and Ai and all those other epic battles took place, yes, Joshua would need great courage to lead his people through that. But that's not where God wanted Joshua's courage to start, and that's not what God saw as the most important need for Joshua to be courageous in. No, that was in his careful observance and application of the whole instruction of the Word of God. And and that's really important for us to pick up on. Because it takes courage to be devoted to God's Word. It takes courage. It takes increasingly more courage in our society and our culture. As culture moves further and further away from having any sort of interest in God's Word or viewing it as as holy, uh, as even people who claim to know God have less and less confidence in God's Word make more and more compromises. As that continues, we, church, will need even more courage than in past times to remain dedicated and committed to God's Word. It takes courage to stand up and say, my authority in my life is the objective, timeless, relevant Word of God that is the universal truth for all people in all time. It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to say, there's not all kinds of different sources of truth. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth, and, and my truth is just as important as yours, and who are you to judge mine? It takes courage to stand up and say, no, there's one absolute source of truth that is universal and never changes, and that's God's Word. It takes courage to, to weigh everything against His Word. It takes courage to evaluate every part of your life against God's Word. It takes courage. And so God wanted Joshua, before he did anything else, to determine to be courageous in his careful observance or his careful obedience to God's Word. Obedience to God's Word is where our courage starts, and it's what we have to have courage to do. Increasingly so, as everything around us does not do that. If everybody else chooses that God's Word is not going to be as important to them as it should be, we have to be courageous enough to say, it will be for me. I will stand on it. And he he promised something. He said, if you don't turn from it to the right or the left, in other words, if you don't deviate from my instruction, the, the word that Moses commanded you, my word that I gave to him that he commanded you, if you are faithful to it, if you're devoted to it, then you will have success wherever you go. You will have success wherever you go if my word guides you and leads you and you are courageous enough to stand on it. Verse 8 says this, This book of instruction, that's another way of saying God's word, His law, His standard, His principles, His commands, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. You can't do something that you don't know. You can't have other people do something that you aren't yourself applying. And that's what God was saying to Joshua. Be courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction that my servant Moses commanded you. Don't depart from it. Don't turn from it to the right or the left. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Let it it saturate your mind, Joshua. Let it saturate your heart so that you can carefully observe everything written in it. You can not apply what you don't already know and what you're not already doing. That's where this all started for Joshua. And then there's another condition of that. There's another result. If Joshua will do that, if he will determine to do exactly what God is saying for him to do, here's another guarantee. For then, last part of verse 8, for then, if you do all those things, Joshua, then you will prosper, and succeed in whatever you do. Verse 9, Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There it is again. You think God wants Joshua to be strong and courageous? I mean, he's repeating it, you know, three times now. He says, make sure this marks your life. Be strong and courageous. And your strength and your courage starts in, and find as their source, my word that's where it starts haven't i command you to be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged which is the opposite of strength and courage be strong and courageous not afraid or discouraged why why should joshua have that as as something that defines him that he's not afraid that he's not discouraged that instead he is strong and courageous where does that come from how is he going to be able to do that against all that that he's going to face and deal with, externally, outside of Israel, with all the enemies, and internally, with Israel being Israel, all that we we know and learn from them in Exodus, all their stubbornness, how fickle they were. How is he going to stand up against all these odds? The answer is in the last part of verse 9. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go. So, I mean, we see in just these few verses the fuel and the source and the ammunition for our courage. It starts with God's Word, being in the Word of God, knowing it, memorizing it, being saturated by it, applying it personally. That's where our courage and our strength starts with. That's where it must come from. But it's also found in knowing that the God of the Word is with us. He's with us. We're not alone. We don't walk through life alone. We don't walk through our circumstances alone. We don't walk through situations alone. At least we don't have to. We don't have to do that. We have the God whose Word we're supposed to know with us every single step of the way. That's why we don't have to be afraid or discouraged, no matter what comes our way. It's not because circumstances will necessarily just magically become better. It's not because we'll wake up one day and the trials we had yesterday are gone. That, that's not what's guaranteed. That's not the promise. Skipping way ahead to the New Testament, Jesus said, you know what, um, guys, disciples, followers, in this world that I'm, I'm leaving you in, in this world you're going to have trial." you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have discouragement. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have rough things come your way. But take courage, Jesus said, because I've overcome the world, and I'm going to be with you through it all. So it's not that circumstances and situations are promised at all to become manageable and easy and no problem for you. That's never promised. What is promised is that the God who's given you his word to make you courageous and strong will also personally be with you wherever you go, whatever comes your way. And isn't that great news? I mean, isn't that encouraging to know that the God of of the timeless living word that he wants you to know and be saturated by also will personally be with you? Amazing. Amazing the God we have. And for for Joshua, talk about a tough act to follow. I mean, big sandals to fill. Who is he taking the place of? Moses. The one who led the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery to Egypt. The one who God used to part the Red Sea and then drown Pharaoh and all of his army. The one that with God's empowerment provided water and, and food for the people of Israel. I mean, Joshua was the assistant to Moses, and so he saw how close Moses was to God and and how amazing all that Moses was able to do with God working through him. And he saw all these miracles. And I mean, Moses was the man. He was the man. He was a a leader that that, uh, the people of Israel had not seen and in many ways would not see again. I mean, you don't get much better than Moses. And now Moses is gone, and Joshua, who has been his assistant, is now entrusted with leading this great multitude of people, which aren't exactly the easiest people to lead. Big sandals to fill. And this new challenge would be bigger than anything Joshua had previously faced or gone through. And, I mean, it's not that Joshua had not demonstrated courage before when uh they were getting close to the promised land uh, moses said okay i want 12 people representing the 12 tribes of israel to go out and scout this this new promised land i want you to go out and do some reconnaissance i want you to spy out the land check out what we're facing come back and report to us um what type of enemies are we going to be dealing with? Like What what strength do they have? What do we need to be prepared for? Tell us about the the land. What can we expect to find? Go out and do that, and then come back. So they did. And Joshua and Caleb were two of the twelve people sent out. When they came back after a very, very long time on this mission, they started giving these reports, and ten of these spies, if you will, or you know, special agents of Moses that were supposed to go out and do all this reconnaissance. They gave the report that, oh, we don't want to go there. there this promised land, yeah, we don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. There's giants. We, we seem like grasshoppers to them, and there's all kinds of of horrible circumstances that await us. There's all kinds of terrible, terrible things. I mean, boogeymen, monsters, it's not a good thing. We want to just turn back right now. And everybody starts getting upset, and they start crying and mourning, and they're they're complaining to Moses again like they always have done. But Joshua and Caleb stand up and say, No, don't listen to them. They're crazy. God has given us this land. Let's go take it. It's ours for the taking. It's ready. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. So he demonstrated courage, but nothing that Joshua had seen or faced or dealt with before was going to measure up to what was in front of him and what he was going to have to do. So how was he able to do it? How, how was Joshua going to be able to take on this unbelievable task on himself and do what was expected? It's because he knew something. He knew something and he acted on what he knew. Here's what Joshua figured out, I believe, very early on in his life uh, as a result of seeing God work on behalf of Israel, as a result of his own personal relationship with God, as a result of being under Moses and being taught by Moses and mentored by Moses. He saw so much, and here's what he knew directly, personally. He knew that you have to be with God to get courage from God. He knew that God would be with him. He had seen God being with him. But he knew that he had to personally be with God as well. And that's something we all need to be aware of. We need to remember that you have to be with God to get courage from God. Spending time with God is exactly what Joshua did. And that was the secret of Joshua's success. That was the secret and the source of his courage. It was his secret sauce, if you will. Spending time with God. That was Joshua's secret sauce. And he did that in two major ways. First was being in His Word. We already saw that. We looked at that in verses 7 and 8. God commands him, um, don't don't depart from My Word. Don't turn from it from the right or the left. Um, be, be careful to observe all the instruction that I passed on to you through My servant Moses. Let the book of My instruction be in your mouth and meditating on it. So the first way that... Joshua spent time with God was in His word. The second way we find in Exodus 33:11. This is the second major way that Joshua spent time with God, that he was with God to get courage from God. Second way, Exodus 33:11. And that verse says this: "The Lord would speak with Moses face to face just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. So here's what's going on behind that. The people of Israel uh, decided, you know what, we don't want to, to be able to be in god 's presence he 's just too terrifying for us. Uh, I mean, when God would come down from the from the heavens and, and rest on Mount Sinai, there would be this horrible storm and earthquake and and smoke and everything and Israel rightly said, How are we supposed to stand in the presence of that holy of a God, knowing the way we are No, no we, we don 't want to go near god we 're afraid he 's going to kill us and God said to Moses, you know what, that's, that's pretty smart. Knowing the way Israel is, how sinful they are, how stubborn they are, how selfish they are, there's a good chance I would just kill them. I, would, I think that they're right to do that. So tell you what, Moses, you go outside the camp of Israel, you set up a special tent, call it the tent of meeting, come in there, I'll meet with you, and, and you go back and tell Israel what I've told you. You be their, their intermediary, you be their intercessor. I'll meet with you. You go back and tell them everything I've said. Let's do it that way. So that's what happened. Moses built this, this tent of meeting. He'd go into the tent. The glory of God would come down and rest on that tent. All of Israel would be standing outside their tents. When they saw God's presence come down on that tent of meeting and Moses to go inside, they would then fall down and worship while he was there. And Moses would bring Joshua with him, so he got to observe everything that was happening. He got to to meet with God along with Moses. He got to see Moses' interaction with God. And then Moses would leave, go back to the camp, but we just saw in this verse that Joshua would not leave. He stayed behind. He lingered in God's presence. And that's really, really key. What that shows us is that Joshua chose personally to make the presence of God a priority. He personally chose to make God's presence a priority in his life. He didn't just depend on Moses doing it for him. He didn't live vicariously through Moses. His relationship with God was independent of Moses' relationship with God. And that is so key. So key. Joshua personally was saturated by God's presence through just being in his presence and focusing on his presence, and and no doubt by prayer, uh, by worship, as he lingered there in that special tent. Even after God's glory went back off of the tent, Joshua stayed just to kind of soak up the presence that had been there. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? Let me ask you this by way of challenge, and I ask myself the same thing, all right? I'm not asking you what I don't ask myself. When was the last time you were so hungry for God's presence that nobody could take you away from it? That no event or activity, no priority was greater than the priority of being in God's presence for you? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you were so hungry for the presence of God that you just lingered and nothing else mattered? No other thing on your schedule, no other uh, agenda item was as important. You, You threw everything else to the side. And he said, no, I'm just going to linger in God's presence. I'm going to just spend time praying to him in a, in a two-way conversation. I'm going I'm to pray to him and, and, and express things to him, but then I'm going to just be quiet and I'm going to listen for what the voice of God would say to me. I'm going to just spend time worshiping and glorifying this great God that I have, that I have the privilege of being in the presence before. When's the last time that we approach God in that way. And maybe the answer for that is why our lives are the way they are so much of the time. Something to think about. Something to consider. But Joshua was saturated by God's presence. And we've got to grasp the importance of that, church. We've got to grasp the importance of that personally and apply that personally. We've got to follow in his footsteps. We've got to take his pattern of how he Uh, related to God and apply that to our own lives. Because if we don't, if we don't make spending time, intentional time in God's presence, if we don't make that a priority, if we are absent in our meeting with God, then we will be absent of the courage only He can provide. And then fear will take up residence instead of courage. And when that happens, it will dominate our mind and our heart. Most of our battles start in the mind and the heart. And the reason that we lose so many battles in our mind and our heart is because fear has been living there instead of courage. But we're only going to find the courage that we need for every moment of a very hard life. We're only going to find that in God by spending time with Him in His Word, letting that renew our mind in His presence, giving Him praise, giving Him glory, listening to what He would say to us, that's the only way that's going to work. And when we don't do that, when we, when we allow fear to take up residence, we start listening to our fears. We start listening to the lies that our fears want to tell us we start listening to the one who is the father of lies instead of our father of truth. There's a really powerful point in the book Prince Caspian. It's part of the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. It's, it's one of my favorites. And the original children from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they've come back to Narnia. They left, went back to their world, and only about a year went by in their time on, on earth, but um, hundreds of years went by in Narnia in that time. And they are called back to Narnia by Aslan to help the, the new king step into his throne, Prince Caspian. They're, they're there to help him become King Caspian. And they're in the land of Narnia, and it's changed. They don't know it anymore. It's unknown to them. It's strange. They don't know where to go. They're lost And little Lucy sees Aslan, and she tells her brothers and sister Susan, Aslan's here, and he wants us to go this way, but they they don't see him yet. And they think she's just imagining it. And so they keep going their own way. They get horribly lost. Finally, Aslan appears to all of them, and they realize how wrong they were. And Susan is the most reluctant of all to come to Aslan. But when she finally does, he says this to her, you have listened to fears, child. You've listened to fears, child, said Aslan. Come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? And church, whenever we, whenever we listen to any voice other than the voice of truth, the voice of our God, any time we let Other voices impact and influence and direct and lead our lives that's outside of God, that's not His voice or not of Him. Anytime we do that, then the result will be that we will start to listen to fears. And when we listen to fears, it will overpower and overcome, overwhelm us. It'll take up residence, it'll dominate our mind and our heart. And what we need to do is come back to the voice of truth, back to the source of courage that is our God. Let him breathe on us again and forget our fears. But that's only going to happen as we are with him, as we're with him. Here's another thing about our courage and about being courageous. Most of the time, most of the time, we don't need courage for the epic and the dramatic. We need it for the ordinary, we need it for the everyday. Most of the time we we don't need courage for the epic, we need it for the ordinary. Here's what I mean, and I, I think you'll agree with me on this. It takes courage just to get out of bed each day, don't you think? I mean, with all that is going on around us constantly, with all that we face in this life and in this world all the, the struggles within and without. I mean, it takes courage just to get out of bed and face this life head-on with, with all of its unpredictability and all of its uncertainty. It takes courage to faithfully fulfill your roles and your responsibilities that God's given you. Your, your roles as a parent. Your roles as a spouse. As an employer or an employee. It takes courage to do those things. To step into all that. It takes courage to live with honor and integrity, to have a servant's heart rather than a selfish one. It takes courage to say no to self and all that comes naturally resisting the flesh and pursuing holiness going against the flow of this world. It takes courage. It takes courage to stand out instead of giving in. It takes courage to do all that. All that is before us throughout every single day and every moment in those days, it takes courage. And that's enough. (laughs) That's enough. We don't need to focus on some big epic thing that we we are courageous against. It's enough just to be courageous against the, the everyday and the ordinary. Every new day that God gives us is full of all kinds of new struggles and new trials and new disappointments. But we need to remember, first of all, That in the midst of all that, it's still a day that God gave us. It's a new day that God gave us. And here's the really, really good news in that. With every new day that God gives us, He also gives us new courage to face it. And that, that is encouraging news. With every new day God gives us, He also gives us new courage to face it. And whatever God calls us to, whatever God calls us to, He will give us the courage to do it. So don't fear. Don't be afraid. Let's step into every new day. Let's step into this new year and determine that we're not going to be ruled by fear. We're going to be ruled by God in our minds and our hearts. We're going to be ruled by the courage that He alone gives us. But it starts by being in His Word, by knowing His Word, by loving His Word, by, by following and applying His Word, being obedient to it. And it's, and it's also by being saturated in His presence. If you haven't started a new Bible plan, a reading plan for the year, now's the time. It's still a fresh year. You can jump in. Uh, if you haven't made actual, intentional, daily time in God's Word a priority, you need to do it now, today. Like, go out of this place and pick a, a very focused, intentional Plan in God's Word. Something, whether it's reading it through uh, through every book in a year, whether it's taking one book and just really diving in deep, whether it's taking um, parts of Scripture and and just meditating on that for you know a week and then moving on. Whatever works for you, pick something that is going to allow you to tune out other items of importance. Not saying that other things aren't important, but it's saying this, this, this word, this living word of my living God, that's what I need more than anything else, and and so I'm going to make that the most, the most important thing in my life. That's going to be the top priority. It's doing that. If you haven't done it, do it today. And then also make sure that you don't view time with God as just this mindless routine be present in the presence of God. Be present in that. Be saturated by His presence, by His glory, by His goodness, and let Him speak to you. Don't just do all the talking. Those are the things we need to do. And as we do that, we will find that we can indeed be courageous. Sound good? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your Word Thank you for a man like Joshua who is willing to be used by you to step in and take over such a dynamic task of leading your people after Moses. Thank you for what we can see in his life, and thank you for giving us the same instruction that you gave him by preserving that in your word. Thank you that we are able to journey back in time, as it were, and be there with Joshua as he heard This instruction from you as he set out to lead Israel. May we too, along with Joshua who went before us, be people that know your word, that love your word, that make your word a priority, that don't turn from it to the right or the left, that apply it, that teach it to others. May we be like Joshua and linger in your presence may your presence be a priority in our lives and may we be present in your presence help us to hear what you would have to say to us to really listen and then to apply it and father if we do those things then we like joshua can be a man and a woman and a child of courage not courage as the world defines courage courage as you define it and as you want to give it to us Thank you for being the God of the new. Thank you for being the God of new courage, moment by moment, day in, day out. Help us to choose that. Help us to walk in that courage. Help us to be with you. Thank you that you promise to be with us every moment. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.